Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. At some point, everyone will have a moment where they simply know something is missing in their lives, and the attempts to fill, ignore, or just dull this void are never successful and only end up leaving them exhausted, confused, and alone. These are the themes explored by our first guest, author Eric Guzman, in his newest book release, The Seed, A True Myth. But before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. Although Lisa is out petting polar bears in Alaska and has left me here to rally you to do the remarkable. And we can have more information. Information for you today about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. Well, our first guest, Eric Guzman, is Vice President of Communications and Executive Producer at Key Life Network. He's the co-host of the nationally syndicated talk show, Steve Brown, etc., and announcer for Key Life as well. Eric has a BA in communication and an MBA. He's also working towards a master's in theological studies. So I have to welcome you, Eric. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks, Patty. I'm excited too. Well, Eric, I was laughing because right before we went into the show, you had mentioned that we can make Lisa really jealous, even though you didn't have a buffet <clears throat> since she's out on her cruise. And it, it's just. <laughs> It's it's really funny because the buffet story, there's so much history there. Because whenever we go to a conference and we're asked to go speak places, she mocks me because I'll make a comment that I'm not hungry at all. But as soon as I see the buffet, <laughs> I get ecstatic. It's like there's something, I don't know if it's growing up in a small church where you always had the, the you know, the church potluck or... <laughs> yeah. Something happens. Something just triggers. Where yeah, it's like a potluck on eleven. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm sad now because we, we've kind of gotten away. Our church doesn't do the the old potlucks anymore. So I, I'll have to figure out. I guess I'll have to start planning my own cruises to make sure I'm I'm getting the buffet in for me. So <laughs> yeah, the polar bear potluck. Just imagine the uh, ice sculptures out there, man. <laughs> that sounds like a great time she's having. I don't know if yeah. I'll be able to beat that, but I'll try. <laughs> yeah. Well, the expectations are really high here. And, oh, no. <laughs> speaking of expectations, you have a fifth-degree black belt. So you are really bringing a lot to the table here. I, I have to ask you, how long did it take you to become a black belt? Well, in that particular martial art, Aikido, I've been practicing since 1999. And before that, there were some some other martial arts that I dabbled in growing up. But that's the one that I committed to as a lifelong practice. And so, yeah, so what's the math on that? Oh, that's pretty easy, 16 years. (laughs) 16 years. Well, and... If if I like, I used to always. I actually took a, a little bit in taekwondo. But when you yeah, are, you know, sparring with other people and you're doing that, I always wanted to be able to really see what skill I had. So 
I wanted to do it, you know, in a real life situation. So do you ever, do you ever crave that? <laughs> oh, like pick a fight or something just to see if it works? Well, not that you would pick a fight, but you just kind of want to know what you're capable of. <laughs> I think that's always in the back of your mind, but Aikido is an art of peace and harmony and I can't go around creating that kind of conflict in my life. And I can't even hope for it really, <laughs> but there is that little secret. There, there is that little secret, uh, yeah, the desire to, you know, just come on, just try it. Just try it. <laughs> I know, right? Well, that brings us to, I. it's amazing looking at your book, The Seed, A True Myth, and what drew you into the, the fantasy genre of that? Because, like I said, the fantasy of really finding out the skill set that you have. We all kind of have, uh, although I have to preface this question because I just had my brothers and sisters, we, we kind of did a little sibling retreat, and three of us were talking about how we can get into fantasies in, in our mind with, you know, when you're out running, you kind of pretend you're in the Olympics or that you're winning a triathlon. <laughs> and my, yeah. my, my other sister, she was like, no, I, I don't do that. I don't have those thoughts. So we were cracking up that it really is a temperament uh, with, you know, going there. But what drew you in to writing this book in that fantasy sort of way? Well, I grew up on on Tolkien and a um, little bit later C.S. Lewis and I like to say that my life as a young man was hijacked by George Lucas and <laughs> Star Wars. And so, you know, I mean, it's just been a part of, of my life, this fantasy sci-fi, you know, imaginary worlds and uh, heroes on adventures. I mean, that's just been the air I, I've, breathed, I've, I've, I've just existed in, you know, as I grew up. So it was pretty natural when I started writing to go into that kind of thinking. Um, you know, like you, you mentioned the temperaments for creating these fantasies and fantasy worlds. Um, maybe for me it came from spending a lot of time alone and always feeling like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot, and... I had to work really hard to try to fit in, and sometimes it really wasn't worth the effort. <laughs> and I would, yeah. um, you know, have that time alone to to imagine, you know, uh, these other uh, scenarios that I'd like to find myself in. But uh, and and you know, for the book that I wrote, what I wanted to communicate, I think it really needed to be fantasy because I wanted it to feel like maybe it was a world that could have existed. So it had to have that kind of ring of truth. Um, you know, I, I wanted it to, to feel like uh, familiar and so tried to draw on those fantasy archetypes, things that people are familiar with, you know, labyrinths and dragons and um, hunters and ravens and, you know, um, talking, walking trees, and, you know, those kinds of things are we, uh, part of our collective consciousness. I wanted to kind of bring them all together and um, kind of put them into service for the message that I wanted to communicate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple questions. I want to go back to the, to the talking trees, but <laughs> let's go with <laughs> you, felt, you felt lonely uh, as a child. Your father was in, in military, and that goes back to, to the beginning, the, the way we started the show, talking about that void that, that people fill and that, that hole that's there. And I know on this side of heaven, 
I, I don't know if it's ever possible to fill that void because it's just craving God. And I think we're supposed to have that void so we can crave Jesus. But yet so many people, that that void, that hole is tearing them up. And so when you make that comment, you know, feeling lonely and, and isolated, do you feel that there was just a, a season in your life that that was even more so of that, the darkness that was there that you were able out of that darkness to write about some of this with the talking trees and, you know, yeah. to, to create your own relationships that are going on there. Yeah. Well, not until later in life could I really identify some of these things. You talk about the emptiness, the void in my book, I have an actual shadow that's pursuing the characters. Um, the shadow has a gravitational pull. It's an emptiness. And the the shadow took the life of this uh, hunter's uh, family, took the lives of his family members, and uh, also took the home of, of these this young couple. The other characters that are main characters in my book took uh, burned their home to the ground. Mm-hmm. That's all that they remember. And so the hunter is after it for revenge and the young couple's just on the run terrified by this thing never able to rest and so those are things uh characters and you know that whole scenario in the shadow that reflect my personal journey and i didn't start to identify what was going on until later when that emptiness that shadow that kind of uh it, you know, it had a, a gravitational pull that started to shake apart the things in my life that I really cared about, and it manifested in, um, you know, perfectionism that needed to be, um, you know, all the anxiety and everything that comes along with that kind of self-medicated, and my relationships weren't working, and I wasn't able to do the things I wanted to do because I was paralyzed by fear, and I, you know, just got. I got to the point where I needed to go into counseling, and, and in counseling, I was able to identify it and start to think about it in ways that uh, eventually made their way into this book. And it's very much a personal story that I, you know, and I use the characters to represent parts of me. And that that shadow is you know, going back to the thing about my dad uh, being in the military and me moving all over the place with my family. I never really felt like I had a place, like I had a home, and so. The fact that the shadow has taken the hunter's home and he's taken the home of the young couple, um, you know, that emptiness, that lack of a a place is what um, was driving me in a lot of ways. And um, in the book, it drives these characters to build a labyrinth to protect themselves from the shadow and to trap it and kill it, be done with it. And... um, in my life, that labyrinth, you know, took all kinds of shapes. Again, I mentioned perfectionism, you know, achievement degrees, um, you know, just get on the treadmill of performance uh, and and try to be significant and build a monument to your own competence. <laughs> you know, um, I was that. That's what I was building. And you know, in the book, you see that that labyrinth becomes the a prison that the characters build for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, it's all all in there. Not not a happy beginning, but there is a happy ending. <laughs> well, that and that's good to hear that we have that we we have that hope of that. But I love yeah. that you monument to what 
How did you say that? To, to my to my own competence. To your own competence. I, I have to write <laughs> yeah. down. That's that's a good one. Well, Eric. Yeah, you know we. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Well, no, we, you know, I mean, we we want people to see what we've built and admire it, and you know. It's, it's it's like writing a book <laughs> and then putting it out there. You go, hey, look at this. Check it out. Isn't it? Do you like it? You know. And yeah, you write it to try to help people, but there's always that piece of it that's self-serving, and there's a that's really dark, and it's never satisfying. So anyway. Well, yeah, and on that note, we are going to um, take a quick break, and when we return, we will continue our conversation with Eric Guzman and uh, building that monument. (laughs) How do we get away from that? So the the self-serving aspect of it, for sure. So we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's marching Do you ever get nervous riding in an elevator because you're afraid the cable might snap? It's entered my mind more than once. According to Elevator World magazine, on the rare occasion a cable breaks, the car won't hunge plunge to the bottom. This is because elevators have as many as 10 cables holding them up, each capable of supporting a fully loaded car. Sometimes I feel a little mischievous in elevators. Next time you're feeling like a rapscallion, try one of these little jokes. When there's only one other person in the elevator, tap them on the shoulder and then pretend it wasn't you. Push one of the buttons and pretend it gave you a shock. Or maybe start a sing-along. What's a word for a person who thinks he's funny but no one else does? Vitzel souped. It's marching day I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with Eric Guzman. He is the author of The Seed, as well as the soon-to-be-published book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain. And Eric, I, I just want to go back to um, the talking about self-serving. <laughs> we all have mm-hmm. a tendency to be a little bit more egocentric probably than we than we should be. And I, I do think that's a fascinating topic with especially as you're doing ministry and mm. so many times we, we do things because we truly I believe in our heart we we want 
for others to to see Jesus in us, and we really want you know, to, to share Christ with others, but it can get to exactly what you said, where it can be very self-serving. And I think it it actually took me till I was in my mid thirties before I I realized that you do have to do those self audits that you're, 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 you know, climbing, you're building these frameworks and building these ministries. And at some point you start wanting it to go bigger and better. And you have to start questioning, is this because it's self-serving to you or because you really are, you know, wanting to share Christ. Cause I, I found that there were times that you felt like everybody was stealing your ideas and you, you know, I started hoarding mm. <laughs> my content and you started, you you really have to go, Whoa, 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 this isn't yours. This is, this is God's, this is everybody's and you get real territorial and, uh, I, I think that's, that's a good self check, self audit to make sure you, you, um, are doing what really what Christ wants to, to do in you and through you and, and to help others. So how old do you think you were when you had this? I don't know. I know it's probably not a day that you woke up and the light bulb went on and said, Whoa, Eric, what are you doing here? But you know, when, do, what was the age, the, the frame there when you realized you know, some of this was taking place. I think somewhere around um, mid-30s, mid to the late 30s. I'm 44 now. And um, I remember starting on a third degree, you know. I did the undergraduate and then the MBA, and then I started working on a seminary degree, a Master's of Arts in Theological Studies. And... You know, you start to wonder what you're doing it all for because it's really exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and and you do you can be paralyzed by that self-examination. You know. Um, so I don't want to do that, but I do I do want to point out how you know we do have this emptiness that we talked about in the last segment. Everybody's got that. You know, mine comes from not really having this sense of place or home, and always feeling there was a hole that needed to be filled with something. Um, but then there's also just the pain of the past that we're all trying to avoid and, and the ways that we've been disvalued and, um, and hurt and abused and neglected. I mean, just a, a network and a web of all kinds of traps um, for our souls. And then, you know, as you get older, it's, it's, it is good to realize that even your best efforts are tainted by this need to protect yourself and to try to prove um, prove yourself and you know kind of ignore the the shame that drives us that drives our achievement and our perfectionism because you don't want to feel like you're not enough you don't want to feel that pain of the past you know you don't want to feel disvalued and so then you start creating even in ministry and in what we do in our good works we it's tainted by this hey look at me like i'm actually a competent good person you know but um but at the same time not wanting to be paralyzed by that and and i think in in the book what i try to show is how unconditional love comes to us in our labyrinths and it's not up to us to find our way out of our labyrinths it's not up to us to you know, free ourselves or destroy the walls that we've built up to protect ourselves from the pain of the past, that we can actually tr- 
trust love to come to us and to free us in surprising ways, even when we know that our our efforts are and you know even even our best intentions in our minds you know have a bit of that self serving nature you know because it just it dogs us our whole lives but we have to somehow get beyond just that introspection because that in itself in and of itself that trying to be better and better and weed out every bad motive is just another form of selfishness (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so i think you know what what i want to say in the book with the imagery is that um while all these things are true, everything that we're talking about, uh, we can trust love to to um, redeem even even those things that, uh, in our, with our best motives, were trapping us in a in a life that um, was exhausting. You know those efforts. I mentioned the um, seminary degree and you know trying to all this achievement, trying to just never getting off the treadmill. I mean, that's. I just started to burn out and and realize that um, I, you know, I couldn't do it anymore. And so, love comes to us in our weakness and you know, when we're exhausted and offers us something different. Mm-hmm. So, so that would be the question of the of the day, the month, the year. I'm going to ask you that that big audacious, hairy question: What is the most genuine way? to survive in a, in a broken world like ours. I mean, you're, you're saying, you know, love comes to us, but as Christians, how do we, how do we show others that on how to handle the suffering, that life and that void, that big, huge hole that life often brings to us? Well, when you're committed to your own survival and self-protection, um, that is exhausting. Like we talked about, and, how do we show a different way? I mean, isn't that the whole world? Self-protection and independent survival? <laughs> um, and, and what we have to offer that's different is to give up on self-protection and survival. Like, that's your, your main goal, you know, is to, is to live for yourself. And that's, just, that's really hard when you... Um, don't know what's on the other side of that when you when you're not convinced of God's unconditional love and protection for you because um, that just feels like if I don't take care of myself who's going to take care of me <laughs> yeah. you know but the message of the gospel is that he's our father and he and he does provide and take care of us and our whole life journey is that journey of coming to to trust to to let down the barriers and um, it's something that he does you know, just by his spirit and and direction over the course of an entire lifetime. A lot of times we want it to go so much faster than, you know, the, the speed at which he works. <laughs> but yeah. um, I, I, I work for a guy named Steve Brown. He says the, the wheels of God grind slow, but they grind exceedingly fine. You know, <laughs> they do the work that they're intended to do. And a lot of times what that involves is um, are, are really difficult circumstances in our lives when, you know, we do come to the end of ourselves. And, and, you know, you can't, you know, at that point, you just don't have the strength to pull it off anymore. And you're going to have to turn to turn to him to, for for help. And he's very pleased to be there and offer that help and, you know, be everything that you need him to be, that everything that you're not. Because we're not designed to live independently of him. You know, I talked about the trees earlier um, in the book. And I don't want to give too much away. But... Um, you know, plants have uh, these roots that, 
you can picture us uh, like plants that have pulled the roots up out of the ground and are walking all over the place just parched and starting to wither when really what's required is not all this activity but to put the roots in the ground to come to a place of stillness and rest and to let those roots drink from the spirit uh, or you know to use the imagery from my book nolly the water of light you know and to to be filled with his life and his love and his strength so that you know plants they're not really working to bear fruit it's just a a byproduct of resting and and putting your roots down and you know just stopping all of this running around striving like 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 plants that that have their roots out of the ground you know all the striving and um so that's another image from the book that i think uh has some relevance to this conversation of how does he do it well he gets us to the place where we've got to stop <laughs> you know and we've got to rest and we've got to put our roots into into him and find a life that's not our own humans were not made to live independently of his spirit and and that's such a great uh just thought to leave with our our listeners because it's it's really easy to think no we've got this we don't need people we don't need god and you start becoming you know more and more uh just independent where you you people hurt you you feel like god is hurting you although those are all myths <laughs> and well people do hurt you but it's how we're allowing it and it, it's interesting i do a, a lot of corporate training and now kind of the pendulum is swinging even in the corporate world there's all these books and and what they want us to teach it's all about you know s- servant leadership and to be you know, if you want to move up in the in the corporate ladder, you need to learn how to to serve your teens and and how to you know put them first. And I thought, oh, imagine that, like biblical principles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're just getting back to every all of this is in the Bible, and and they act like this is just a new concept that's out there. You know, nothing new is under this is sun, but it's just funny when they they're gobbling this stuff up. Like, oh, I just thought you were a doormat if you would lead that way rather yeah. than, the, you know, the first, the you know, the last really is first. And uh, it, it's it's interesting in hearing everything that, that you're saying there. Well, Eric, we have one minute. Uh, okay. We have to go into another commercial break. And, and what how can people find you? And what's just one more tip you would have for our, our listeners? Well, you can find me at keylife.org. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Guzman, E-R-I-K-G-U-Z-M-A-N, um, at keylife.org. If you go under authors, you can find my author page and some of the things that I've written there. You know, the books on Amazon and uh, The Seed, A True Myth. Actually, you know, the the little mini book that you mentioned, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, that's also out. You can get that through keylife.org or New, New Growth Press, my publisher. And... I guess the one thing that I would leave people with is, yeah, you know, you want to live in this extraordinary way, um, but it, it all starts with a, a weakness and a trusting love to to be what you're not in you. And so you love the way that you've been loved, and then you only love to the degree to which you have been loved. And my message is to trust that love because love never fails. And that's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Eric. We'll be right back. Thanks.
This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All right. I am so excited about our next guest. I met him a year ago as I was leading a small group of high schoolers, and we were sitting around the table discussing just some daily struggles that take place in their life, and they shared the challenge of just struggling with sharing their faith. And one particular guy was completely engaged in the conversation and asking so many questions. And I've watched him over the year just grow in his faith and live it out. He started a group event with his peers this year that some would refer to as a Bible study, but that almost comes across generic because it's so much deeper than that. It's a place that these high schoolers, his peers can come to and not only like dig into scripture, but also just be genuine and transparent with each other and uh, pray not only for each other, but just with each other. And uh, it just, I really just saw this enthusiasm that is spreading just in getting into God's word. So on that note, I want to welcome Ben Ide. He's a senior in high school. He is an 
avid basketball and water polo player. And I've already bragged about he's also a huge Jesus enthusiast. So welcome, Ben, to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Patty. How are you? I am doing awesome. And Ben, the first half of the show, we have been just chatting away about how everybody, I don't care who you are, has this huge void in in your life. And you, there's this emptiness that takes place that so many people were all trying to fill that up. And we know as believers that that void is, you know, just craving Christ and wanting more of Christ. But so many times when we're with, with others, I don't think they are even aware sometimes of that emptiness or, or, or that mm-hmm. void. And yeah. uh, so we want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that today. But first of all, I just I would love to hear your story of how you um, just surrendered your life to Christ and what what happened till you finally came to that point where you realized I want to I want to fill that void. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I grew up in a church. I, uh, my parents uh, went to a Christian church uh, ever since I was born. I grew up in a Christian preschool, you know, all my life I was around that environment. Um, but um, from my knowledge at this point, at that time, I never truly understood it. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't fully get it to um, the extent. And so about a year and a half ago, I had this moment at church where I just felt like something was missing. Something needed to be changed and needed to be changed permanently because I had times in my life, like, you know, summer hike camps, um, um, just, you know, certain church services, just moments in my life where I felt like I did need to take my faith seriously, and I felt like I did need to take my faith the next step, but I never did it. It would be kind of just maybe a week or two or, or a month after camp or just kind of where it was on a uh, quote-unquote Jesus, Jesus high. But about mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, I felt like I really truly needed to make this change. So... Um, I reached out to my former youth pastor, and we um, started meeting, you know, once a week, and he just started working through um, questions I had, and, and uh, we read some books together, and some books of the Bible together, and one book particularly that I say uh, changed my life was Crazy Love by Francis Chan, mm. and my, my youth pastor um, introduced me to that. And um, so after reading that, I read it with one of my best friends and him, and we just felt like we needed to share that with other people. We felt like our story in growing up in the church and um, just feeling like we were Christians because we went to church um, was so relatable to so many people. So Mm -hmm. we felt like we needed to share that with others. So. We created a Bible study. We created a goal. We created a a um, a place to meet all these all these different things. We reached out to a lot of people, and I got got about twenty five to thirty people in, and we read the book Crazy Love as a as a group, and um, it was just a lot of fun. And so ever since, we've just been, you know, living life, trying to understand Jesus more. You know, since then, I've. I've read through the Bible, I've read, you know, a couple books, and just every day just trying to get closer to God and um, just know and love Him a little greater. Mm-hmm. Do you find, Ben, that growing up in the church, I, I'm 
same the same for me too. I, I grew up in the church and went to Christian schools. And uh, do you find that when you have that and it's just around you, it's kind of I used to call it the Christian bubble. That it's sometimes harder to maybe even crave Jesus because he just it seems like he's always around. Because I I know so many Christians that have been Christians. Years and years and years, and when we talk about the Bible, they've never actually read the Bible. They've read mm-hmm. scripture, they've read pieces of it. So yeah. it's exciting to hear you say that you you've actually read through the Bible because I I think that's that's rare. But do you mm-hmm. do you find that way when you look at your friends that you just kind of take it for granted that you live in a world with Jesus? Yeah, you know I think we talked about this a little bit actually last night in our Bible study um, that. Growing up in the church, almost be, you know, you almost see Jesus as kind of a fairy tale, and he's uh-huh. kind of this you know this person that you don't really fully grasp, and and you kind of just live live not not under not not actually believing that one day we actually will meet him, and um, so yeah, I think it's very easy to kind of um, just get that image in your head. Yeah, and I think fairy tale is a good word because I would hear, you know, your whole life you hear Jesus died on the cross for you. And it uh, would be said with such conviction, like he died for you. But when you when you heard it, you just go, well, that was his role. Yeah, kind of like I go to my job every day. That's just that was his job. Like you, you don't really get the power of what that actually means and what that sacrifice was, you know, because it's almost like you're desensitized to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what do you think, uh, um, just in talking about that, how you just become desensitized, what do you think that in, in the book Crazy Love that really obviously poked a, poked a hole in your heart and in your brain to make you think a little differently? What part of it grabbed mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Um, I think it was the whole idea of how Jesus took you and takes us as people and as his children and um, how serious I wasn't taking Jesus. And so, you know, he was he was willing to die for me. He was willing to die for all of us. And I'm kind of sitting on the sideline, not really, you know, participating in that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think mm-hmm. the issues, what, what would be the number one issues that, that teenagers face today in, in our subculture? Mm-hmm. I I believe, and I can say this on my own with my own experiences, is it's social media. Um, I think it has a lot of. I think it. Um, I think a lot of teenagers struggle with that, and I think it. Um, there's a bunch of things that can lead and come from social media. Like uh, one thing is easy access to pornography and pornographic images and websites, you know, it's all over social media. Um, mm-hmm. I think another way is a false sense of security where, you know, you go on and kids are addicted to their phones and they think that everything is there and good and that they have relationships when really um, it's just them and their phone, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, can, you I think, think that, that can create a false um, sense of fulfillment. Yeah, do you think that within that false you know, sense of fulfillment. And I, I agree. I just think that, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I know just recently, you know, we were all at, at camp and 
you would be with a group of teenagers and say, hey, you guys, let's let's put our phones down. And within five seconds, <laughs> the phone would be back in their hand again. Yeah. Where I don't even think that that they realize that it is an addiction. And, and they yeah. say that it's the same part of your brain that lights up as a heroin addict. So when you mm-hmm. think of that, that here it is, you know, these neurons or, you know, all of this, you know, dopamine, serotonin, adrenaline is pumping when you see certain things like, you know, so many likes on your, on your page or, you know, something that, uh, you're mentioned and you're tagged or whatever. And so these things are happening. So it's, you truly, you're starting to get addicted to wanting to mm-hmm. see it to where you're, you're not even aware of the conversations that are going on around you because yeah. you're in such a habit of staring down at, at your phone. Uh, and mm-hmm. we have two minutes then before we, we take a break. And I just uh-huh. want to ask you, so how, if, if you guys are aware of that, do you think, cause I, I believe you can change things. I, I think it only takes one person and to mm-hmm. truly even change a, a subculture. Do you guys talk about that or challenge each other? Like, Hey, let's, let's put our phones away for the night. Or do you even go there? Um, you know what? It's kind of, it's interesting. You know, I, uh, we try to kind of respect each other in that way. You know, some nights, you know, we'll just have nights where we're just kind of all on our phones, you know, we're kind of just, just all chilling and, and relaxing. But, you know, usually we're, at least my friend group is pretty good on respecting each other when it's uh, time to be respected, you know, and when someone really has something on their heart and wants to talk, you know. And I think it has so much to do with being present in the moment, you know, and where you're at. Yeah. So you're saying being present in the moment, uh, like you guys are aware of that, but that's just being present in the moment is being on your phone. Like you're doing that together. So that's like an activity that you're doing together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's just um, so interesting, and I, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit more when we uh, come back from from our break. But we, um, I also want to talk a little bit more about as we we, we mentioned what um, the biggest challenges for teenagers in general. But also when we come back, Christian teenagers, do you think you're facing a bigger challenge um, as a believer? versus not believing and we will talk about that right after this commercial This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. 
We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. CNN reported on a study by the National Center for Health Statistics that found that teenage males were the most frequent consumers of sugary drinks, including sodas, sweetened waters, and energy, sports, and fruit beverages. They guzzle about 252 to 273 calories every day from various drinks. The intake of these sugary drinks has multiplied over the last 30 years. When soda pop was first invented, it was an extravagance that most people had every once in a while. But now it's a daily fixture in American life. And whether they are sold in fast food drive-ups, vending machines, convenience stores, or other venues, sugary drinks are easily accessed. Cutting out these drinks is a vital part of healthy living. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Back, we are chatting with Ben Ide, a senior in high school. He's an avid basketball and water polo player, and we are just talking about the biggest challenges that teenagers face today, and one of them being social media and just the access that they have to pornography, to um, just what is is flashing in their faces, and also uh, just being present in the moment. Are they really there, engaging face to face? or um, always on their phones, and is this leading to an addiction? So, Ben, on that, I also, you you had mentioned a little bit about um, pornography. As, mm-hmm. as a Christian teenager, are you guys able, we talked about maybe challenging each other on not being on your phone so much, are you able to, you know, challenge each other and hold each other accountable in, you know, what you're looking at on the internet and on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just social media are you able to freely talk about those conversations uh yeah definitely and especially in the, in my small group we are very open about it um we are we all kind of just go to each other when we're struggling at times uh, um i think the hardest thing for a christian teenager versus a non-christian teenager is it's accessible to everyone so everyone sees it it's flashing in everyone's faces um, I just think the non-Christian teenagers are a little more, um, they, they don't, I don't think they care. You know, I, I think they, mm-hmm. they, they, that looking at pornography, it's not a big deal. It's, it's just something that you do as a teenager. It's just something that, that's there, and, and, and it's easy to access. And I don't think they feel as much guilt or uh, have a guilty conscience. But I think growing up in the church, you know, having a strong um, family base, having a strong friend base, having a strong small group, I think it's... Um, you're more likely to have a guilty conscience. You're more likely to um, have the. Uh, it's really it's the Satan coming in and uh, you know giving you lies in your mind and saying you know you're not this you're that you know or you're separated from God or this or that. And so I think it creates um, it makes it easier for us to feel like we don't have somewhere to go because we we don't we don't want to you know look bad in front of our peers or we don't want to open up that you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a that's a really good point. And it's good to hear that 
you do have that accountability. I, I think it's, um, mm-hmm. it's one of those where we can just, you know, not talk about it and just push it aside. And like you said, for some people, it's just, it's not a big deal. And yet we're, we're seeing it literally deteriorate and erode our families and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a deal. It's, it's so much bigger than what, what we could even imagine. And uh, so that's exciting to know that you guys are able to talk about it. And I hope this encourages our listeners out there that if they, you know, have a a son or a daughter, that they can have those conversations and expose Mm -hmm. it to the point where you don't feel, you know, dirty talking about it. That, no, this is this is in our face every day and Mm -hmm. it needs to be talked about so we can um, figure out how to cope and have some coping mechanisms that are out there. Well, um, we, we talked earlier about, you know, uh, having that void and that emptiness, you know, just, we, obviously we live in a broken world and many times when we're trying to share with others about the peace and the freedom that the gospel offers, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, people don't want that, but then they're going around and they're, um, I'm seeing it more and more. It seems to be more prevalent with, um, teenagers cutting. Do you think that this has just always existed or is this a new thing that they really are? There's more people your age that are cutting and trying to hurt themselves. And what, why would you, what do you think is going on with all of this? Yeah. So, um, I, I can't say I know whether it's a new thing or there's happened for a while. You know, I've only lived in life for 17 years, but, um, I think it definitely goes into the, the the fulfillment aspect of what we've been talking about, and um, I don't I I don't know whether it's uh, it could be a bunch of different things. It could be um, you know attention. You know they, these these um, kids want attention, um, mm-hmm. and so by doing that, you know that'll that'll fill that void or or it'll get them that attention that they need. They feel like they can't get it any other way. Um, maybe it's um, Maybe maybe it is truly uh, an internal thing, and um, they feel like that like they're, they're getting something out of that, you know. But yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not too um, familiar with it, but it definitely goes it definitely goes and aids with the whole you know fulfillment and um, trying to find that that fill that void that every human being is looking for. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you find too, um, I know I'm, I'm hopping, hopping, uh, questions all, all over the place. I just, I love being able to, um, just, you know, have your, your insight and what you guys are thinking about, you know, get into your brain a little bit here. And Mm -hmm. I I, just looking at, at Facebook and, and social media and seeing, um, what takes place in, in the, the derogatory comments about Christians, I feel that there's a culture that I don't know if it's just in the church. We're not representing Jesus. Well, but you hear a lot of people going, I'm not going to go to church. It's just, it's full of hypocrites. Do you, you do you see that in your high school and how do you get beyond trying to um, invite them to an activity or event or, you know, even to your, your Bible study that you're, you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that is something that is, is probably the main, the hardest um, issue to crack when trying to talk with someone or get someone to come to church because um, 
everyone in their brains, whether they're a believer, whether they go to church, whether they have gone to church in the past, they all have this um, idea of what they think church is. And it's not always right, you know. And the problem is, it's, it's usually not that person's fault. Um, we're not perfect. Even us Christians in the church aren't perfect. And um, we, some of their, their reasoning behind it is justifiable. You know, you, we, uh, there are people who are hypocrites. There are people who act differently outside of the church. You know, that, that's a very real thing. And so I think our job as Christians is just to be as transparent as possible and be as open as possible um, and try to not be hypocrites, you know, try to try to make um, those non-believers or those non-churchgoers understand that, you know, we're just people too. We're not trying to impose anything on them. We're not trying to, you know, judge them, but we're just trying to love. We're trying to offer them something that's greater than anything they can find. Mm-hmm. So do you think that high school groups only come to church to be entertained and for social reasons. And when I say that, I know that I'm stereotyping because I know when I was in high school, that was, that was a main reason I was there. <laughs> so mm-hmm. do, you, do you think that, uh, that's, you know, pretty basic that we go there for the social aspect? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very, um, a common thing to do. Um, I, I can find myself that now, you know, and, Church on Sundays is a way for me to, you know, get to see everyone, get to have fun, get to hang out. You know, I have to ask myself every morning when I come to church, like, Ben, you know, why why are you coming here? Well, what is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish here? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I have to run into that every week still, you know, and I, I've been following Christ for a while. So. Mm-hmm. so that that's neat, though, that you're able to ask yourself that that question. You know, mm-hmm. why, why am I here? Am I here just for self-serving purposes or, okay, God, what do I need to hear? What, what impact, um, not only for you, but also mm-hmm. what impact can you, you know, help others? And maybe God is putting that person in your life to have an impact on, because it's really mm-hmm. easy, uh, to look at it. What's in it for me? You know, mm-hmm. you, you sit there and you hear a message and you go, I didn't get anything out of that. And to, to then go, well, wait, what if it's, I'm sitting here because of it's for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. And, and as we're, we're, uh, slowly wrapping up the show here, but do you think in your belief system that you can be sure and you know, you're going to heaven without a shadow of a doubt? You know what? I, I do believe that. I, I, um, I believe that that Jesus and the cross offers en- enough of my my security. You know, it, it takes a lot of trust. Um, it takes for me to say that I believe that God's way is greater than my way, and that His sacrifice was enough for me. And and do I still have doubts? Of course. You know, I still have to doubt that, but my doubts only make my faith stronger because they they make me question and they make me, um, they make me. Um, go back to myself and, and look at that and say, okay, you know, uh, what has this been? You know, figure this out. What are you going to, you know? And then it makes more sense for me in my head as I as I start to, you know, even doubt my doubts. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely still have doubts, but I do believe that the cross is enough. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it, it's it's funny because I know when when I was your age, especially I think right around in junior high mainly, but e- even through high school, I would um, hear a message. I went to a church where the end times, you know, it was going to happen tomorrow, mm-hmm. and yeah. Jesus going to return next week. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just remember so many times I would beg God, like, please, please, please make sure, make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there with you. And uh, I, I do believe that, you know, scripture shows where you really can know and your, your name is written in the book of life and you're right. Just have to, to trust. But I, I think it's, it's important for people to, to even know that, you know, you just, you continuously are in that place of fear at, at your age, rather than like what you said to, to be able mm-hmm. to, to stand strong in Christ and truth. So we have one minute left before we end the show, Ben. And I just want to thank you again. I appreciate you so much. And I will say, you are an amazing role model. You and uh, all your all your best friends, your whole entire group. Um, you've created a a synergy um, that just really Christ comes out your pores, and I love that about you. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on our show. And what would be one tip that you can share with our listeners, especially for those who have kids, you know, in high school? Of as a parent, what would you say to a parent in just giving giving the parent hope? <laughs> yeah, um, I think to say it's a lot of trust. I think it's a lot of trust in God, a lot of trust in Jesus, uh, because I can't make someone believe. I can't mm-hmm. make someone believe in Jesus. I think I, I can't. I can't force that down their throat. And I, I. I as a parent, I don't want to do that to my kid. I, I have so much respect for my dad because when I was about in fourth grade, ben, he allowed... I hate to do this to you. I'm so sorry. We are ending our show, oh. but I love that. Have trust in your kids. But now I get to do a side note and hear the rest of your story. Thank you for listening to our show, and thank you, Ben. Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. 